Welcome to the Harrisburg Brethren in Christ Sermon Series. สวัสดีค่ะยินดีต้อนรับสู่บทเทศนาของบท Harrisburg Brethren in Christ, where our vision is to be a thriving, diverse urban church sharing Christ's love and serving the needs of our local and global communities. And here's this week's sermon. We hope you enjoy it too. As I uh, continue the series on the Gospel of John, I'm reading from John chapter two in the first eleven verses. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, "We have no more wine." Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, "My hour has not yet come." His mother said to the servants, "Do whatever he tells you." Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from twenty to thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, "Fill the jars with water." So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, "Now draw some out." And take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, "Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now." What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which He revealed His glory, and His disciples believed in Him. Weddings two thousand years ago were highly anticipated events. They were feasts. They were parties that lasted anywhere from two to three days up to a week. In some instances, the bride and the groom often wore crowns. This week of festivity. And joy stood in sharp contrast to the poverty and the constant work to survive that most of the attendees faced on a daily basis. No wonder people loved weddings. For many of them, this is where they could finally get a vacation. It's no mistake. Jesus showed up with five of his newly selected disciples. Jesus loved a good party. In fact, his critics said he partied too much. They said he drank too much. They said. He enjoyed himself too much. Jesus compared heaven to a wedding feast thrown by his father for him, because weddings were the most joyful times in any any community. But a crisis arose at this wedding. Jesus attended. They ran out of wine. Maybe because Jesus and his five disciples showed up. But one of the cardinal values of the Middle East is hospitality. You always make room for more. Even if it causes hardship on the host, but running out of a out of wine at a party would be humiliating, no matter what the reason. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was one of the first to see the impending crisis. This wedding probably involved some extended family of Marys and Jesus. She probably had something to do with helping host this wedding feast and felt personally responsible if something went wrong. So Mary finds Jesus and says to him. They have no wine. Mary, of all people, knew what Jesus was capable of. Deep within her, she had pondered for thirty years the words of angels, and the words of shepherds, 
and the words of Magi. She had felt the Holy Spirit come upon her when her son was conceived within her and had felt her son leap within her full of the Holy Spirit when Elizabeth came bearing John the Baptist within her womb. Mary was no stranger to the movements of the Spirit. And she had seen things, no doubt, no other person had ever seen besides Jesus. I'm sure this first public miracle was not Jesus' first miracle. Who knows when Mary first saw Jesus' power, a power both of them kept secret until now. Jesus responds to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My time hasn't come yet. In English, Jesus' response sounds rude or disrespectful. That is not what happened here. The term woman in the Hebrew went, dear lady or dear one in the feminine case. Jesus was using a loving word to address his mother, not a disrespectful one. So guys, you can't go around saying woman. And the phrase, what does this have to do with me, was a common conversational phrase that meant, in this context, leave things to me, don't worry, I've got this. The English translation of Jesus' words misses what the real intent was. But Jesus does express some hesitation when he questions whether this is the moment when his public ministry begins. Is this the hour he launches his campaign, his campaign to save the world? There is some restraint here by Jesus. There is some hesitation because Jesus knew that once he came out and made known who he was and what he could do, the clock to Calvary would start ticking. There would be crowds thronging him constantly. There would be endless human need coming at him constantly. There would be hell coming against him, enemies made with the religious establishment, and death being courted repeatedly. Remember, people didn't threaten to just kill Jesus when he died on a cross. There were numbers of times he was threatened, and it all ended on a cross. I think at this point, Jesus needed a nudge. So God the Father got mom to do it. Mary must have sensed that this was the time for her son to do what he was sent to do here. Every now and then, all of us need a nudge in order to be what God has called us to be. Maybe I'm struggling to launch out into deeper spiritual waters, but it takes the nudge of someone sensitive to the Spirit to help me take that next step. Mary, in essence, said, it's time, son. You can handle this wine problem like nobody else I know. One well-timed word of encouragement can make a huge difference in somebody else's life. One nudge of the Spirit can change a human destiny. One of my jobs as pastor and equipper is to look at how God has gifted people and nudge them. I am a professional nudger. I get paid for that. One of the things that I, when I look back over 37 years here, one of the things I gives me the most joy is that this church has sent well over 20 pastors into the field. And I, the, the ones that have been my favorite, if, I, if I'm honest, the people I nudged that were the favorite were women, nudging women into pastoral ministry. There are at least three women from this church who are in pastoral ministry. And I got the privilege of seeing their face when I walked up to them and said, have you, I see gifts in you. Have you ever thought of being a woman pastor? And you can see something resonate inside of them and they get all excited. And it's like, I, I kind of thought that, but 
No one ever, no one ever, you know, encouraged me this way. And it's like, maybe it's possible. Maybe it's possible. I, uh, you know, I, we as a community, by the way, are called to nudge each other. Pastor Patty, the children's pastor, never thought of being a children's pastor till someone told her, apply for this. You know, I mean, looking back, it was a no-brainer. Every time you saw her, she had a baby in her arms. Maybe we should have known she was cut out for this. By the way, I, I, Pastor Patty has a special power. You know, like, like some dogs can smell, are trained to smell explosives. Pastor Patty can smell a newborn anywhere in this building. Sometimes I'm talking to her and she goes, wait, wait, a newborn was walked in here. Wait a minute. And I spotted Pastor Hank's gifts and callings over five years ago. And I don't know if he thought about pastoring this church or I just confirmed him pastoring this church. But I told him, look, I know this violates all protocol and stuff, but after me, you're the next pastor here. Mary saw something that day and nudged Jesus. She felt something that day and nudged Jesus. Graham Greene writes, there is always one moment in someone's life when the door opens and lets the future in. This was Jesus' moment to let the future in. And Mary gave the words that helped him see that. Never underestimate the power of a well-timed word to somebody. A nudge, a word of encouragement when someone is at a crossroads. The right word at the right time can be a catalyst that changes someone's life forever, especially if the Spirit has nudged you to nudge them. Are you a nudger? After Mary's word to her son, Jesus says to the servants there, fill the water pots. Those six stone water pots were used to hold the water used for ceremonial feet washing and hand washing. Jesus' first miracle involved water pots and water. Jesus tells them, now draw from these water pots and take the samples to the, the host in charge. And the host in charge is impressed. He says to the groom, this is good stuff. People usually stir, serve the good stuff at the start of the party and the inferior stuff later when people don't care what it tastes like, if you know what I mean. But you save the best for last. I was expecting muscatel. This stuff is from France. <laughs> I love that Jesus did his first miracle in a common home, in a festive but ordinary wedding for common folk with no great social status. I love that Jesus' first miracle was to save a young man and a young woman from public humiliation. Not life and death, not a broken body, not heaven and hell. What was Jesus' first miracle? He was trying to help distant family members not be publicly humiliated. He cared in the grand scheme of things about something extremely small, yet important to the people involved. God, Jesus came to show us God cares about the small things that make up life as well as the salvation of the planet. Our God is great because nothing is too big for him to care about. And our God is great because nothing is too small for him to care about. He cares about what goes on in our homes, with our kids, with our health. He cares about folks like you and me. And he enters into the ordinary of life if we let him, if we're paying attention. 
Tony Campalo said that when he was a boy of 13, things got very tough for his family. He said, I tried to be a good kid and help out the family in every way possible. While going to junior high school, I held down a couple of jobs at the same time. One of those jobs involved making deliveries on a bicycle for a neighborhood pharmacy. I had finished my deliveries one cold, rainy night. It was nearly midnight, and I was about five miles from home when the front tire of my bicycle blew out. I had worked so hard, been up early in the morning, and now it was midnight with his second job, making deliveries to earn a few extra dollars to help my mother pay our bills. I had done everything I knew how to be a good boy, a good son, and I was worn out and tired beyond anyone's imagination. So when the tire blew out, I just sat down on the curb of the street, and I cried and cried and cried. I remember saying, God, everybody thinks you're good and kind, but if you were really good and kind, this would not be happening right now. I would not be out here stranded on this cold, miserable night. You need to help me. I don't know how long I sat there, but eventually I got up and began to push my disabled bike in the direction of home. With every step, I cried. Even as the driving rain soaked through my thin jacket, making me more and more cold and miserable. It was, he said, I suppose, a testing of the faith of an exhausted and downhearted 13-year-old boy. After going less than a block, I came upon a gasoline station that was closed. I have no idea what I did, why I did what I did then, because it made no sense at all. I went over to the air pump at the service station and tried to inflate the blown-out tire. First of all, the air pumps at service stations at midnight are turned off. And second, even if by some miracle air had come out of the nozzle of that air hose, there was no way that the blown-out tire could hold it. It turned out that I was wrong on both scores. Air did come out of that air hose, and the blown-out tire miraculously inflated. I jumped on my bike and pedaled home as quickly as I could. When I got home, I lifted the bike onto our front porch and locked it onto a rail. Then I was, I was about to put the key into the door to get inside the house. I heard it. There was a sudden, strong hissing sound. And just a few seconds later, all the air in the blown-out tire was gone after I had ridden it for five miles. It was as though God had understood my desperation and my doubts on that cold and rainy night and had recognized that the faith of a 13-year-old boy was at stake. Perhaps that miracle was the only thing that have, could have saved an exhausted, sad teenager from being lost to the kingdom of God. God knew at that moment that something small was something very big. He knew that Tony Campalo's faith hung by a bike tire, something as ordinary as it can get. And Christ entered into that small, ordinary crisis and saved the faith of a young man who grew up to be one of the great preachers of our generation. Aren't you glad that God cares about bike tires and 13-year-old boys and young couples and weddings and what goes on in your house? Jesus wants to share his life with all of our life. And most of the time, that will be shared changing diapers and washing dishes, and sitting at a desk at work, or you can fill in the blank. Never restrict where Jesus shows up. And because when he shows up, he often changes water into wine. 
He cares about it all. And I need to point out what Mary did not say was as important as what Mary did say. She presented the problem to Jesus. But did you notice? She didn't tell Jesus how to remedy the problem. She laid out the problem and then she turned it over to her son. She trusted him to do the right thing. I don't know about you, but I often don't know what is the right thing for certain problems or certain situations. I know what I want, but I don't know what's right. In fact, Scripture confirms this. Paul writes in Romans 8, We don't know how to pray as we ought. So the Spirit makes intercession through us with groanings beyond words. Mary brought the problem to Jesus, and she laid it there. Aren't you glad you don't need a Ph.D. to pray? Or you don't need to go to seminary? You don't need to be a monk? Miracles do not depend on our ability to articulate solutions for God. Miracles do not depend on our answers, but His. Like Mary, we are called to lay out the problem and then trust Him to answer them in any number of ways. When I pray, I pray the problem. And then I pray my feelings about the problem, often venting. And then I pray my desires. And in case God doesn't have a solution, I suggest some for him. (laughs) And then I try to let the Spirit guide my thoughts or pray through me. I try to join with the Spirit. Sometimes I sense the Spirit leading me to pray for a certain situation or a certain person in a certain kind of way. Sometimes, as I focus on a situation, I, I, I don't get any of that. I just lift up my heart to God, and I just groan with the Spirit. Simply groan. I feel the Spirit's burden upon me, but sometimes I have no idea what that burden is about. Sometimes the most powerful prayer, prayers I've ever prayed had absolutely no words to them, or no understanding about them. I just groaned with the Spirit. Have you ever prayed like that? Oh, you guys must think I'm crazy then. (laughs) And sometimes I just praise God. Sometimes I feel the Spirit saying, this is taken care of, and I begin to rejoice. And again, I have no idea what is coming. I don't know what it's about. But sometimes I'm praying about a certain topic and suddenly I know that God has heard that prayer and God has got it and water's going to be turned into wine and I just praise the Lord for whatever's coming and Lord help me spot it when it gets here. And sometimes God tells us specifically something to say or do. But the Spirit of Christ can speak to us anytime, anywhere. Again, I need to point out that Mary's focus was on Jesus, not on what she thought should happen. She said, just do what my son says. You know, what I've discovered through the years, I've been a Christian 45 years, and I was a Pentecostal pastor for seven years, and I've been through, you know, uh, all kinds of things. What I found is if you seek miracles, you probably won't find a miracle. If you seek Jesus, miracles will find you. Seek God first. Try to join with him, not twist his arms to get what you want. Mary said, do what he says. Obedience 
must accompany God's answers. Often our obedience precedes God's answers. The servants did what they were told. They obeyed. They filled the water pots. Almost all miracles in Scripture have a human element. Almost all miracles require some act of obedience, like stepping into the Jordan River before it starts to pile up, or stepping in the Red Sea before it parts, or washing seven times in the Jordan before you get healed of your leprosy, or touching the hem of his garment, or filling, filling water pots to the brim. Most miracles do not just simply drop out of heaven and bypass the human element. Dave Batterson said that a few years ago, he had the privilege of speaking at the Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. And while he was there, he toured what they call the Dream Center in downtown Birmingham. It's a Christian ministry down there. In order to get some ideas for the Dream Center, he was starting in Washington. He said they have an amazing ministry to prostitutes, just like Jesus did. And those prostitutes know where to turn when they have a problem. And he said the director of Dream Center told him this story. He said one morning she was walking out her front door on the way to work, and she felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit. And the prompting was to go back and grab a pair of woolly socks it was so strange, she said, this doesn't make any sense, but this just might be from God. I'll take a chance. So she went back in her house and tucked a pair of woolly socks in her purse and drove down to the Dream Center. She arrived to find a prostitute passed out on the front step. She carried the woman inside and called 911. And as she held this woman in her arms, the woman slowly regained consciousness and that's when this director asked her, if I can get you anything, honey, what do you want? And without hesitation, the shivering woman said, I really need a pair of woolly socks. Come on, <laughs> what are the chances? And that's when she reached in her purse and pulled out her pair of woolly socks. The woman smiled and said, they even match my outfit. Of course, they were color-coordinated socks. Nearly every miracle in Scripture required something like that. The director in Birmingham had to fill the water pot first. She had to obey and do what she could do before God could do only what he could do. God's ideas change history. Even water pots filled at God's direction can change the world. Who would think that filling a water pot would be echoing 2,000 years later? That day at Cana, the ordinary was converted into the extraordinary. Water turned to wine, 150 gallons of it. The good stuff, more than enough for everybody. All occasions contain the possibility of God breaking in. Think about that. God can break in when you're changing a diaper. God can break in when you're in the bathroom. God can break in when you're watching television. I've had God break in in the most unexpected, unbelievable ways. You always have to be on the lookout for what the Spirit is doing. The age of grace broke that day. The first public miracle of Christ announced to Jesus' disciples and Mary that the glory of God had arrived in the person of Jesus. Because of Mary's nudge and the servant's obedience, there would be new wine to drink, 
not just that wedding day, but for all of us for all eternity. We do not, you know, Jesus, Jesus still turns water into wine. He still turns pain into peace. He still turns problems into growth. He still turns despair into faith. This is the quietest I have heard you. Either this is going really, really well or really, really badly out there. (laughs) We don't have to be defined by our problems because any problem in his hands can be transformed because Jesus came to transform everything, even water, even us, even the mess we're in, life, death. There is This wedding, if it shows anything, it shows us Jesus will show up anytime, anywhere for any problem. And that is something that should excite us all beyond the imagining. Are you on the lookout for Jesus showing up at your party? <laughs> Are you on the lookout for Jesus coming to your house? Are you on the lookout for Jesus preparing a beverage? (laughs) Are you on the lookout? Because, you see, the first miracle was not some stupendous raising Lazarus from the dead. The first miracle was not Jesus coming out of the grave himself. The first miracle was not helping a blind man see or a lame man walk. The first miracle was water into wine for a young couple's wedding. How nice. How nice. Let... Let's pray. And again, I want to give you time. Where in your life, your ordinary day-to-day life, where in your life would you like to see Jesus show up? Where does water need to be turned into wine? Would you offer that up to him now?
Lord Jesus, help us to see new possibilities. Help us to look for you in the ordinary. Help us, Lord, to wait on you in the strangest places. While we mow the yard, while we load the dishwasher, while we talk to our spouses, while we do that project at work, Oh, Lord, we put you in boxes so often and don't let you out in our lives. But you are here. And in you we live and breathe and move and have our being. Lord, help us to see where your hand is moving. Help us to pray with your spirit. Help us, Lord Jesus, to walk with you everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like the intercessors to come forward, and Bart's going to lead us in a final song. And you may stand now. <laughs> and the intercessors will come, and we will pray for you for anything you want us to pray for. And... Uh, then we'll be dismissed.
we're going to dismiss you now. I know you hate getting out 10 minutes early, but sometimes it just happens. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, bless us as we leave this place. Bless us, Lord, with your protection. And help us, Lord, to see you, to sense your movements, to be tuned into your spirit so that all of life might take on a whole new hue, whole new possibilities. We ask it in your name. Amen. If you want prayer, there will still be people up here praying.